Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. And welcome back to the Unseen Podcast, a podcast dedicated to missing people, unresolved cases, and UK true crime. Before we get started with today's episode, I just had a bit of housekeeping to discuss. After today's episode, I will be taking a break for around six weeks, so the next episode will be on the 2nd of July. Going to three monthly episodes is obviously more labour-intensive, and I need to catch up before I burn out with any of it. Many of the episodes I have chosen are going to be longer, as they have more information contained in them, and I want to do them justice. I am working with some families and doing some update episodes, so there's a lot of moving parts. I'm also going on holiday, having my birthday in June, and will be starting a new job, so there's a lot going on. Patreon episodes will still be coming out, so if you're on Patreon, don't worry, you will still get the episodes as planned, plus the bonus episodes. I hope this is okay with everyone, but sometimes I just need to take a break to make sure the podcast is the quality I always want it to be. On to today's episode, which explores the murder of Michael Williams in Highgate in North London in 1988. The manner in which Michael had been killed captured the nation's attention and led to many questions. The sad thing is, Michael left behind a wife, a young daughter and a loving family and his murder is still unsolved today. This episode contains descriptions that some listeners may find distressing so listener discretion is advised. Highgate Woods is located in North London sitting between the areas of East Finchley, Highgate and Muswell Hill. The woodland is around 70 acres and is described as ancient, its existence having been mentioned in the Doomsday Book. It's a well-used area, with many activities taking place such as cricket, football and other sports, as well as people using it for socialising at the cafe and for walking their dogs. It's a calm and accessible place used by residents and visitors alike, given its proximity to Highgate Station Tube Stop located on the Northern Line. At around 7.40 on the 27th of August 1988, a woman was walking her dog in the woods close to Lanchester Road when she saw a shape lying by the side of the path. 
When she looked closer at the shape, she realised that she was looking at the body of a man. He was extremely still, and it was clear that he had passed away. This was a shocking and unexpected sight, and the woman immediately contacted police to let them know what she had discovered. Police attended the scene and tried to put together what had happened to this man. From the scene that they found, it was initially unclear what had happened. Had this man been attacked, and if so, had he been attacked where he now lay or elsewhere? Police, however, were quite sure that they were dealing with a murder investigation, and this suspicion would prove to be correct when the man's body was sent for a post-mortem. The cause of death had been due to one blow to the throat. This was certainly an unusual ruling, however gave police indication that some violence had to be involved in the attack. But why? Who was this victim and why had he been murdered and left where he had? Despite there being no belongings on the victim to identify, police were able to establish who he was. He was 41-year-old Michael Williams, who lived in Highgate. Michael had lived in Highgate all of his life and looked to be a very unlikely victim. He had been married to his wife for 18 years and was the father of a two-year-old daughter. By everyone's accounts, Michael was a devoted and dedicated father who doted on his daughter. He wanted to spend as much time with her as he could and reportedly worked flexi hours at his job so that he could finish earlier and go home to spend time with her. Michael worked for the Home Office and commuted into Pimlico in central London to work at his office in Horseferry House. Michael had quite a high-pressure job and had been helping to set up the police national computer, which could help narrow down information about crimes. He was good at his job and seemed to be well-liked and respected by his colleagues. He and his wife were avid churchgoers and seemed happy. How Michael had become the victim of such a callous and unnecessary murder seemed incomprehensible. Police began trying to track down Michael's movements before his murder and figure out how this could have possibly happened. They were able to establish a timeline, particularly for the night before Michael's body had been recovered from Highgate Woods. Friday the 26th of August had been the start of a long bank holiday weekend in 1988, and Michael had been at work in Pimlico that day as usual. It's reported that all that week he had been working late as he was working on a project that he wanted to get finished. That night at around 6pm, his wife had rang his office, asking Michael what time he was going to get home that evening. Michael had told her that he still had some bits to finish off, but that he was hoping to get back at just after 8pm. His wife said that she would see him later and she would put their daughter to bed. Michael carried on working for a little while when one of his colleagues invited him to come for some drinks with them at the local pub, the Pavia's Arms in Pimlico. This was somewhere that they often went for drinks. According to the later Crime Watch reconstruction, Michael initially declined and said he had too much work to do, but then agreed to go. Despite telling his wife that he would be home for around 8pm, 
Michael stayed out with colleagues until about 11.15pm when he realised the time and told them that he needed to leave. He left the pub with another colleague and they both headed to the tube stop. Michael and the colleague travelled together until Victoria Station when the colleague got off and Michael stayed on. Michael's usual route home would be travelling until either Warren Street Station or Euston Station, where he would then change to the Northern Line. He would then travel on the Northern Line until he got to Highgate, where he would then make the short walk home. It's unknown if Michael did travel this route on that Friday night, however, as nobody that knew Michael saw him do so. There is a witness sighting at East Finchley Station, one stop after Highgate, that perhaps indicates that he might have got off there instead. A security guard remembers seeing a man fitting Michael's description come up to his booth at around 12.30pm and ask him where the toilets were. The security guard told the man that the toilets were closed and the man apparently just walked off. If this was Michael, then he hadn't got off at his usual stop. And if not, why? Was he planning on walking home from there instead? It would appear that this was the last possible sighting of him that night. A lot of Michael's possible route was speculation, and there was little evidence to point to where he had actually been. Police didn't know how he had ended up in Highgate Woods, or actually, when he had ended up there. There were some very odd details about this murder which didn't seem to make sense to investigators, and one of these elements was the witness statements that they had from earlier on in the morning that Michael's body had been discovered. Aside from the dog walker who had found his body, there were a few other people who had been in the area even earlier than that. The strange thing was that all of these people had walked past the area where Michael had been discovered but none of them had seen his body there. If he had been there, these people would have also seen him. A man had also been walking his dog in the same area around 6am that morning, and he confirmed that he didn't notice Michael's body there, but he was able to provide police with some more information about something else strange that he spotted. He said that just around the corner from where Michael's body was later found, his dog began barking loudly and aggressively. As he came round the corner, he saw that the dog was barking at a man who was stood still by the path. The witness said that this man was stood staring forward and didn't react at all to his dog barking at him. The witness said it was very strange as the man looked to be in a trance and didn't pay any attention to his surroundings. The witness said it was as though he was under the influence, or hypnotised. This man was described as around six feet tall, white, of a slim build, with blondish brown hair and a beard of a similar colour. While this sighting was very strange, it didn't implicate this man in Michael's murder in any way. However, the police were very interested, of course, in speaking to the man, or finding out who he was. Around 50 minutes later, the gates of Highgate Woods were opened fully for the day, and a witness who walked past the area five minutes after this also saw nothing on the path where Michael's body had been found. 
Police came to the conclusion that Michael's body had not been there earlier on the previous evening or even that morning and that it had been placed there between around 7 and 7.40 when he was discovered. They also stated that they believed a car must have been used to transport his body there in this time. The question was why and where had Michael been during that time? Where had he actually been attacked and killed? There were many unanswered questions, but police believed, based on the witness statements that they had, and the fact that Michael had been found in a public place, that he can't have been there for too long, or he would have been found earlier on. Theories on who had perpetrated this were few and far between, given the lack of concrete evidence. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Michael's case was featured on Crime Watch to try and jog people's memories of that time and hopefully find someone who may have the crucial piece of information they needed to put it all together. A reconstruction of the evening before Michael was murdered, as well as all of the information the police had, was presented on the programme. Detective Superintendent Paul Wilton explained that none of Michael's belongings had been recovered from the scene and it was important that they were found. Michael had been carrying a black and white carrier bag with the letters ID on the front. Inside, he had been carrying a radio pager called a voter page, a computer manual, his home office pass to get into his office, and a signet ring with his initials on it. He also had on a Rolex watch, which had been made for him around 17 years earlier. The watch was reportedly distinctive as it had clasps around the outside of the face, which was unusual. It was hoped by showing these objects on the programme, someone would come forward. None of these belongings had been found with him. There was also another piece of important information shown on the programme, and this was something that happened the day after Michael's body had been found. A man had walked into the new Argent Tandoori restaurant on Free and Barnet Road in Southgate, around four miles away from Highgate. This man had paid for his food with a credit card, and this credit card actually belonged to Michael Williams. This man had possession of Michael's bank card and was walking around using it after his death. Who was this man, and why did he have the card? Had robbery been the motive, hence the lack of Michael's belongings at the scene? 
Detective Superintendent Paul Wilton stated on the Crime Watch programme that they didn't know if this man had anything to do with the murder, or if he had simply found the card, or even bought it illegally. The use of the card was extremely suspicious, and of course police were eager to find out what had happened and what this man knew. Detective Superintendent Paul Wilton also brought up a new theory on the Crime Watch programme. He explained that at this point he had to take into consideration that this murder could have a sexual motive. He discussed the fact that Michael was bisexual and the location his body was found was known as a spot that gay men would frequent during this time. He explained that they couldn't rule this out that Michael had met someone that evening on his way home. This was a new piece of information at the time, however like many of the other theories which swirled around in this case, it was based on theory and speculation, as without some concrete information, lots of the theories could not be proved. Michael's case was extremely difficult to solve, given all of the unknowns. The known information was that Michael had been attacked at some point on his way home and killed by one blow to the throat. Detective Superintendent Wilton confirmed on Crime Watch that this would have had to have been from someone strong with martial arts experience. He stated that he had consulted with karate experts who explained that this had to be someone with experience in this field to carry out this sort of attack. His belongings were then taken from him and his body was kept somewhere until between 7 and 7.40 when it was transported to Highgate Woods by a car and his body was left there. His bank card was taken and was then used at a tandoori restaurant by a man the following day. The situation was so unusual and odd that police struggled to reconcile the information they had and narrow down who could be involved. Despite the appeal on Crime Watch, since 1988, Michael's case has remained unsolved, and there have been very few appeals for information from police since. I could find no articles in the archives related to Michael's murder, and since then very few articles have been written about Michael's case in the newspapers. This is extremely sad, as he did leave behind a wife and a daughter who have had to live their lives without him without answers to why he was killed and who had done it. All theories seemed to point to a stranger murder, as Michael had never intended to be going home at that time, and it would seem to indicate that he had simply come across his killer while walking home. The motive, however, is much more confusing. Was this a robbery which went wrong? Did this have a sexual motive, as suggested by police at the time? Was this an attack on a person walking alone? Police appealed for anyone who may have been attacked in the area during that time to also come forward, implying that perhaps police wanted to check if this was a case of someone attacking people in that same area. There is little information in this case, however that does not mean that Michael's case is any less deserving of attention than cases with more information. He is a victim who deserves justice, and his family also deserve justice and answers.
If you know anything about Michael Williams' murder in August of 1988, then please contact the Metropolitan Police on 101 or Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to support the podcast further, then you can on Patreon and contribute to exclusive polls to get extra bonus episodes every month. You can also get access to new episodes early and ad-free. Thank you very much to our newest patron this month, Oliver. You can use the link in the show notes to visit Patreon and see what we offer. You can also support us by reviewing the podcast wherever you listen, including Spotify, and also just share the episodes. You can subscribe on YouTube and follow us on social media. You can also now subscribe and listen to my other podcast, 10 Minute True Crime, which tells infamous crimes in a short form, bite-sized 10 minutes, for people on the go or who just like the facts. Find that wherever you listen and in the show notes. As always, I'm Caprice and this has been Unseen. Unseen.